many of you have uh, been with us over the like over the series of put it in the dirt show of hands you've gotten all the messages okay so we've done some really strong teaching to really get the devotion aspect of this to, down today I hope just to get us excited because next week is going to be a very special weekend in the in the life of our church and so I hope that you will be here next weekend if you have spring break plans cancel them it's fine you can get a refund from Airbnb it's all good it's going to be a beautiful weekend, a weekend of faith and expectation in the life of our church. And then I just want to kind of give us a path forward where we're going, just so you know we're, we're not going to stay and put it in the dirt forever, <laughs> uh, just until next weekend. And then we start our procession towards Easter. And uh, it is going to be a really beautiful season around here uh, as we uh, start our Easter series, little mini series, starting on March 26th. And then we've got uh, Palm Sunday, Good Friday service is happening. And uh, we want to invite you, make sure that you get to our Good Friday service. I, I will tell you this, I love our Good Friday service. It's actually our most favorite service that we do all year round. And so you do not want to miss that service. And there's be all kinds of details. And then Easter Sunday, four services on Easter Sunday. Three of those services will have both auditoriums open. So we've got all the room in the world to invite your friends and your loved ones. And then the following weekend after Easter, we're going to start a brand new nine-week series um, this journey of spiritual formation that we've been going on has brought us to this place that I want to get us to on the backside of Easter. And we're going to start a nine-week series about personal healing and wholeness. And uh, we're going we're gonna to be calling that, that series Shadows in the Light. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place before, but you feel like you're battling a lot of things that are behind you stuff that's inside of you, things that were set over you. So this isn't a series about like physical healing, like eyes opening and arms growing back. Not, not, we're, we're gonna go, how did, how did, what does it look like to have your heart finally healed? What, what does it look like for us to find healing in our soul that we would, as John says, prosper as our soul prospers? What does it look like to get healing in our relationships and in our minds? Um, and so it's gonna be, we're gonna do some hard work in that series, but I think there's gonna be some really good fruit that comes out of that. Sound good? Does that sound good? All right, we're going to continue on with our series, Put It in the Dirt. I'm going to read scripture, and then we're going to pray. And uh, so let's just, in, in, in the light of worship today, let's just keep our faith and our expectancy high. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 to 8, Paul writing, he says, Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you, for I know your eagerness, and I boast about you to the Macedonians. Micaiah has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up the most of them. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove empty and so that you would be ready just as I said. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in that situation. Therefore, I considered it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised so that it'll be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. Pause there, a little context. Paul's trying to get them ready for in effect, their legacy giving. A moment of a, of a big, generous gift. And he's saying, hey, listen, I just want to prepare you guys because as we talked about a couple weeks ago, this needs to be about devotion, not emotion. I want you to be prepared when, when we get there so that nobody, nobody feels awkward and nobody feels weird. He goes on and then he says this, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or, or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Since God loves a cheerful giver. 
since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every, listen to this, this is the promise right here. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof, every shout proof. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Come on, does anybody have an amen to scripture today? So today, as we continue on in our series, Put It in the Dirt, this is the title of my message today. I wanna to speak to you from the subject, Trust the Science. Some of you are twitching right now that that was said. A little tongue in cheek, but trust the science. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. Trust the science as we look at the paradox of generosity and how it produces meaning, purpose, and joy in our lives and in the lives of others. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is a living word. It's powerful, it's active, it's working in each of our lives. And so I pray that your word would come alive to us today, that it would settle in our hearts, that roots would grow deep, and that fruit would be born in our lives. So I thank you for what it is that you're speaking to us today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody shouted. Amen, amen and amen. Um, show of hands, how many of you have ever been in a bad mood? Show of hands. Well, this is the service, all right. Awesome. Um, how many of you are in a bad mood right now, right? Just, right, okay, perfect, awesome. Somebody, thank you, two of you admitted it. That's fantastic. We'll lay hands on you after service. Um, so... I'm a fairly optimistic person, but I have my days. Um, I'll, I'll wake up. About, I don't believe or prescribe to the idea that you can wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I just think you wake up wretched. Like that's, <laughs> you get just do. I don't know what's coursing through our veins. I don't know what's going on. But one of those days when we were living in, in Arizona, I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. And maybe many of you haven't heard this story before. But when we were living in Arizona, I was, I was running late. I had woken up. Uh, I was in a bad mood. Everything was just going, it was just going, nothing fit right. Nothing worked right. Like it was just bad. Everything was crashing in on me. So I got into the car, headed to the office, didn't get to have my coffee. So I was going through Starbucks drive-thru. And uh, how many of you know that when you're in a moment like that, the Lord works uh, with patience and long suffering <laughs> in your life, right? Endurance. And so humility, all those things start popping up. And so I get into the, into the drive-thru line thinking that it was going to be the fastest line, but apparently that day, it was not the fastest line. And uh, so I got stuck, a person in front of me, line in front of them, and then, and then a person pulls up behind me. And so I'm antsy, like I'm running late already. And if you know me, I don't like to be late. That's not my vibe. That's not my jam. And so person behind me probably thought I was banging on drums on my steering wheel. I wasn't. I was like working through a cathartic moment to get my rage out. And so... Um, so I'm banging on, uh, like this was going to hurry it up. And then the person in front of me was ordering the entire Starbucks. And 
So finally, I got up to uh, I got up to the to the little speaker system, and I've got a bougie order, a Starbucks order. It's kind of long; it can get confusing. So I rattled off my order, and then they got it wrong, repeating it back to me. And so I'm like, I'm like trying to smile because like I could be known there um, because we frequented that Starbucks often. So I'm like, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> Come on, how many of you like? How many of you have been been a bad mood before? Like all of this service you have, you told me, okay. So, um, so I get my order through and, I, and I'm getting up to the window. I finally get up to the window. I'm like, just uh, everything inside of me is going really, really fast. I go to hand him my cash and uh, the lady goes, oh, sorry, sir. The person behind you paid for it. And I was like, sure he did. And I look, behind, I look behind me, I look through my back window and he gives me like that nod. Now, I don't know what was going on. I don't know what made him buy my drink that day. Maybe he just knew what was going on to the car. It was just a hot mess of like seventh layer hell happening in my, in my car in that moment. But how many of you know, like the minute that happened, everything changed in my car. The, the atmosphere changed, the attitude went away. And then like these little things like repentance started to take place. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry. Such a bad person. And everything changed. My heart changed in that moment. My mindset changed in that moment. That day, I was the recipient of someone's generosity. Changed my life, honestly. Changed the atmosphere of my heart, my attitude, my car. It did what Paul said it would do in verse 11, produce thanksgiving to God. Now, if you think about generosity, it's a fascinating concept and one that I believe is greatly misunderstood culturally and in the church. It's generally overestimated as a reality that actually is at work in people's lives today and what God can and wants to do and through it. So we're going to take a little bit of a journey today through some actual science that's been done. So if you would just lean in with me, give me the next few moments to lay a groundwork of what science teaches us. I've never really done this before, but I thought it'd be a lot of fun in light of all the things. And so uh, we're going to go through some science and then we're going to, we're going to then spin it and hopefully like a moment from M. Night Shyamalan movie, we'll have a gasp. We're like, oh, wow, that's how it applies. Um, And I hope you realize that. So In their groundbreaking research, Chris Smith and Hillary Davidson used social science experiments and research to come to a better and more formative understanding of generosity and its impact on our lives. Through their research, they published a book called The Paradox of Generosity, Giving We Receive and Grasping We Lose. Their findings are fascinating and have grand implications for our understanding of generosity. Their thesis as the science would prove, shows that generosity being exercised in people's lives significantly improves the overall health, wholeness, and well-being of a person across five specific markers that they've identified in people's lives. Here are the markers. First one's happiness, bodily health, purpose in living, avoidance of depression, and interest in personal growth. These are the, these are the five areas that they say generosity improves. Their emphasis as they would write, and I quote, is on practices of generosity, not on single generous acts. What matters about practices compared to one-time acts is that they are repeated behaviors that involve reoccurring intention and attention. Those are the kinds of expressions of generosity that actually enhance people's well-being. 
That is because practices of generosity, such as financial giving, volunteering, and relational and neighborly generosity, have the capacity, listen to what they write, have the capacity to shape people in processes of human formation. By contrast, one time or infrequent acts of generosity seem to not be associated with greater well-being. So what is a practice? They define that for us. According to these writers, a practice is an activity or behavior that is repeated. It continues over time. A practice, by definition, is also a meaningful activity. It holds some significance or import for the person engaging in it. Practices, therefore, require some degree of attention and intention. To practice something, people have to devote some interest and awareness to make it happen and keep it going. People have to sufficiently intend to do it, to desire to make the repeated activity a part of their lives. Otherwise, entropy and distraction take their toll. Of course, many practices can eventually become routines and even sometimes mindless habits, but practices of generosity that involve repeated partings with money, time, attention, emotional energy, and other resources rarely become meaningless mechanical habits. The resources parted with are usually too valuable to allow one to be mindless about them. The reason that this research is important is that it's been able to expose the truth about generosity in the lives of average Americans. Often I hear certain things like this that, that, that in conversations that I'm in, like, I mean, does the church really need to be genero like generous? Does, do Christians need to be generous? Well, let's look at some research, all right? And one of the most telling data sets that they discovered, check this out, nearly half of all Americans, 44.8%, do not give away $1. Another 41.3% gives away some amount of money, but less than 2% of their income. 9% of Americans give away between 2 and 5% of their income. Now remember, this is, not a, this is not a Christian study. This isn't about the church. This is about America. This is about our nation. 3.1% give away 5 to 10% of their income, and 2.7% gives away 10% or more of their income. And the Christians of our nation would be involved in that percentage. You see how daunting that gets. So a little graph, it looks like this. Check this out. So that top bar is who doesn't engage in generosity at all within our nation. It's getting quiet in church today. Y'all still with me? Even more telling are the findings concerning how this plays out according to financial means and capability. One tends to think if I had more, I would give more. The research tells us a very different story. How many of us have thought that before? Keep your hands down. It's fine. Oh, if I just had more, then I would do so much more. But here's the truth. The research shows us that the average percentage of income given away by income brackets does not increase at all from the lowest income category. This is their defining income category, $12,500 a year to the highest category, $90,000 plus a year. In fact, the percentage given actually drops slightly from 2.2% to 1.1% of income given away Lowest bracket to highest bracket. Guys, throw that graph up there. This is what it looks like. What the study is telling us is that those who live in some of the lowest brackets of income give away the most. 
And so there's some of this, this fallacy, this, this stuff that we've been talking about over the, uh, over the past couple of weeks is that we think that we understand generosity. And the reason that we have to teach this way, the reason that we have to work through it this way is because I wanna help open up our minds about this. Now, this is not my stuff, trust the science. In other words, more resource does not translate into greater generosity for people, okay? So to boil all their research down, I'm gonna take a really big book and I'm gonna boil it down into nine points that they present in this book that giving, uh, that giving does in our lives. So I've got nine points from them and then I'm gonna give you another seven about some other findings that we have in the Bible. Let's go somebody, okay? So really quickly, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on them, but listen to this. First thing they come to the conclusion of is that generosity often fosters and reinforces positive emotions and reduces negative emotions in givers, which tends to lead to greater happiness, okay? So a couple studies that were done by some sociologists at the University of Texas at Austin, Duke University, all right, is that they have found from a from a, a, a bodily level, there's things that start happening in us when we engage in generosity, all right? That actually leads to greater happiness in our lives. In other words, once again, trust the science. Here's the second thing that they found. Generosity often triggers chemical systems in the brain and body that increase pleasure and experiences of reward. They reduce stress and suppress pain, which tends to lead to greater happiness and health. According to Smith and Davison, listen to this. When people act generously, it often triggers the release of chemicals in the brain and in the body that enhance pleasure and happiness and reduce stress and pain. They include oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, vaspressin, endorphins, and prolactin, whatever those are. Apparently they're good things that surge through our body when we engage in generosity. Here's the third thing that they said takes place is that generosity increases personal agency and self-efficacy, which tends to enhance happiness and health. In other words, agency, according to Smith and Davidson is this, listen, it is the exercise of one's natural human powers and capacities to make things happen in the world to affect or prevent changes one wishes to see happen. In other words, when we are generous, we are actually stepping into part of who we are, the capability and the capacity that we have as human beings to make a change on the planet we live on. Come on, is anybody with me this morning? Because how many of you know sometimes it's one thing to tweet and complain about and Instagram about all your woes and issues about the world. How many of you know it's another thing to get off of your phone and get up from the couch and engage in a way that we actually bring formative change to the world around us? And that's what the science is proving. They're saying, hey, listen, it actually increases agency in our humanness to do something about something. Now, you may think to yourself, man, there's too many problems. How many of you thought this before? There's too many problems in the world. There's, there's too many things to tackle. And so this is what, what, what happens is for many people, they get death by analysis. I want you to think about how this works out. Death by analysis. Well, I'm not going to try to help uh, feed people in you fill in the blank because there's too much of a problem. Well, that's good. The best way to solve a problem is not do anything about it. So what the science is saying is that people who practice generosity are usually the type of people who engage in things and use their agency to make a difference in the world. This is, this is a big one, okay? Here's the fourth one. 
Generosity often creates positive, meaningful social roles and personal self-identities for generous givers to live out, which tend to lead to greater happiness and health. This is what they say in their book, The Paradox of Generosity. Flourishing human life requires living a meaningful existence. One of the ways that meaning is found and accomplished is in and through generosity. Number five, here's the fifth thing. Generosity tends to reduce maladaptive self-absorption, which tends to produce greater happiness and health. Is it possible, here's my question, is it possible that generosity is the cure for cultural narcissism and selfishness? So let's say, I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this question, like, man, what's happening in our world right now? Why are people so selfish? Why are they so focused on themselves? Let's just talk about that. Because for a lot of people, they get up and they pull up the thing that's all about themselves and they hit the social app it's all about selfies, right? This is me getting up. This is me drinking coffee. This is me drinking coffee with my kids. Edit the kids out. <laughs> we go to work to produce for myself so that I can climb the social ladder and the, and the, the work ladder for myself so that my bank account could be fuller and so that I can provide for myself so that I can have a greater 401k and retirement program so I can have multiple things for myself so that as I grow older, I can buy a boat for myself and then I can die. (laughs) Come on, what a meaningful life that is. But the Christian life is countercultural. The Christian life says that I spend my life that I give my life away in my resources, in my time, with my energy, with my emotion, and I give it away day in and day out. I give it away day in and day out. I give it away, and I spend my life to the point where I am gloriously exhausted as I finish this life of faith. Well done, good and faithful servant. I actually think the cure to selfishness in our world is to not be selfish. That was my entire degree in one statement. (laughs) Number six, practicing generosity requires and reinforces the perception of living in a world of abundance and blessing. This is the, these are science people saying this. Science people said blessing. And what they were saying is that when you are generous, it actually enables you to see that you have things to do things with. Oh, wow, I actually have abundance. When we're, ge- when we're generous, we go like, oh, I, I actually have, I have stuff. I have more than I thought I had. Come on, am I talking to anybody in church today? Number seven, generosity expands the number and density of social network relational ties, which tends strongly to lead to greater happiness and health. In other words, we are a part of things and partners all across the world that we're working with in order to make things happen in areas that they do not have the ability to make things happen in. And so it actually deepens the density of relationships, all right? Number eight, generosity tends to promote increased learning about the world, which often leads to a greater happiness and health. One recent study said that Americans have a tendency to be the most isolated and myopic in their view of the world. We don't understand what's going on, right? 
We don't, understand, we don't understand what's happening in some of these other countries and some of these other places. It's an, it's an abstraction to us. It's so distant, it doesn't make, doesn't make sense. I remember when 9-11 happened, and I was not in this country. I was in Australia, living with a German, a New Zealander, an Australian, and another American. And as I got reports from home and had conversations, the viewpoints were very different. Why? Because my perspective had shifted from being in something to being outside of something. So I actually, like the, the, the depth of resolve that I saw from people in other countries, I remember we got to our college class chapel and our countries represented all across the, all across the world. They said, we want all the Americans to gather. We're gonna lay hands on you and we're gonna pray. You wanna talk about a powerful prayer service? is when you have country after country after country after countries you probably haven't even heard of. Laying hands on Americans saying, God, we pray over this moment. It it was, but a lot of people didn't get that. They they weren't afforded the the space that I had in in that moment. It causes you to, to get out a little bit more and open up your mind a little bit more. Did you know right now that in Afghanistan, it's one of the fastest growing, the church is, is, is rapidly growing there. And it's predominantly run by women. We had more claps in the first service. Let me try that again. It's predominantly run by women. Okay. But yeah, women aren't supposed to lead anything. Tell the church in Afghanistan that. Because it wouldn't be happening right now if these ladies weren't stepping up. Cultural realities, go study it. When you have to read these things, study these things, it's a really big deal. And generosity, when we give towards it this year, people in Iran and in China and Ukraine and many other places are gonna be impacted by the generosity that happens right here next weekend as we put it in the dirt. Generosity tends to increase givers' physical activity. This one blew me away. Their physical activity, which usually leads to greater happiness and health. This is what they're saying. When someone can overcome the hurdle of being generous, especially with their finances, it actually tells you that you have the ability to discipline yourself in other areas of your life. So the science proved that people who were generous had a tendency to be more forward in motion about their physical activity and health as well. Right? So, like, if you need any other reason, when we give in our legacy offering, it's exercise. We're just lowering body fat counts next weekend, okay? Now, this is the science. It's not my opinion, this is the science. And while I appreciate the science, there is a greater authority to which I submit myself, and that is the truth and counsel of God's word. And so, with the remainder of our time together today, this is what I wanna look at. I wanna look at a few truths that scripture teaches us now, okay? This is what scripture reveals to us concerning generosity, what it looks like, and its impact on our lives. Need your help today? Come on, every shot number one. Every shot number one. Here's the first thing. The harvest of our generosity is proportional to the investment of our generosity. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Now, just so we're clear, this is not a prosperity message. This is a mathematics passage. What Paul is saying when you study it out is this. If you sow one seed, do not expect to reap 50 trees. 
Maybe another way to say it is this. All too often, we tend to want God to do more with what we haven't sown. God's promise is that he will do according to what we sow. So don't sow sparingly. I know this gets uncomfortable in church sometimes, but here at the well, we are generous people and we're just exercising this muscle right now. But this is the truth at the end of the day. The harvest of our generosity is proportional to the investment of our generosity. And so we've gotta be the type of people that realize this, all right? Resolve, number two, the second one is this. Resolve is a necessary characteristic of a generous person. Second Corinthians 9, 7. Each person should do as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion. In other words, there should be a conviction about your and my generosity. Let me say that one more time. There should be a conviction about your and my generosity. Like, let's try the middle section. There should be a conviction about your generosity and my generosity. This side over here will be the loudest side because they're the most convicted, right? We've gone through two. Our conviction should be resting in our, we should be convicted about our generosity. Okay. Why is this important? It's so that we don't get pushed around by doubt circumstance, there should be resolve in it. That's why we do a series like this leading up to our legacy offering so that we can develop conviction. This is why we teach about it in other series and other messages so that we can develop a conviction and resolve about our generosity, all right? So I wanna say this, in front of you, in the seat back in front of you, there are envelopes that say, um, uh, that say put it in the dirt. These are our legacy offering envelopes. I want you to grab one of those today and I want you to take it home. And some of you are like, do I move right now or do I not move? Or I'm just going to stare at him. Nothing will happen. <laughs> the reason that we're doing this now, this weekend, is because my hope is that we come prepared next weekend. Because we have resolve over what we are going to do. I can tell you this, some good news, just in and through our legacy, uh, just our legacy team. Uh, that meets, it's a team that believe in uh, generosity, have the capacity to give, and want to see kingdom mission move forward. Um, just in through our legacy team already, uh, we are at $275,000 plus before next week. Oh, come on, can we celebrate, let's go. So we're making stuff happen already. Sending Bibles, doing the things that we're gonna do already, all right? My hope is that you would take some time this week to really continue to pray. Eric and I, we've been praying, we've been considering, we've been wrestling over what it is that we're gonna give next weekend. And we're, we're coming prepared next weekend to put it in the dirt. And it's gonna stretch us and it causes us to like have to put some things down that we really, really want because we want things too. We're humans, right? But we're, we've got resolve because we believe in generosity and what God is doing here. And so we've gotta have some resolve in it at the end of the day. Number three, every shot number three? three? Here's the third thing. Joy produces generosity and generosity produces joy. It's a cycle. So 2 Corinthians 9, 7 is, a, is, is weird when you look at the, the structure and how this thing was written, how Paul was writing this because all of a sudden it's saying, it's saying some things and then Paul says, hey, and by the way, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, one commentary would put it like this, New American Commentary. It says, Scripture assumes that what is crucial is the attitude of the one who gives, not the amount. God who knows and appraises our hearts 
values only those gifts that come as a free expression of the deepest part of our souls. See, joy through the Spirit. And so I believe that joy produces generosity, and then generosity continues to produce joy. Because how many of you know, sometimes you just need the Holy Spirit's power to get over that first step. You're like, I don't want to do this. And the Holy Spirit's like, well, joy. And you're like, woo, okay. And then, oh, wow. And all of a sudden, joy starts, well, I, I'm a part of this. And, 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 and oh, we're, we're really doing this. And, and, and I just lost calories in this. And... <laughs> Enjoy, and it keeps, and it keeps, and it becomes this cycle. And then you and I become generous people in all of our life, because generosity is the hallmark of a follower of Jesus. And so joy produces generosity. Generosity produces joy. Number four, we shout number four. God is generous with those who are generous in order for generosity to excel. God is generous with those who are generous in order for generosity to excel. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11 says this, And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity. Psalm 37, 25 and 26, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. He is always generous, always lending, and his children are a blessing. Proverbs eleven twenty four. one person gives freely, yet he gains more. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor. Proverbs eleven twenty five. a generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. This is one, many verses, and a litany of verses about how generosity plays itself out in our lives. And so at the end of the day, we have to understand that God is generous with those who are generous in order for generosity to excel. Number five, everybody shout number five. Here's the fifth thing. God is glorified in our generosity. Come on, I said God is glorified in our generosity. Second Corinthians 9, 11 through 13. It says, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof, every shot proof? Because of the proof provided by this ministry that will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. See, the truth is, is that when we engage in generosity, God is glorified in our generosity. God gets the praise. God gets the honor. God gets the worship. People in Iran and China will never see you or me, but they will give God praise, and then they will praise him for that little church in Sandy, Utah. Come on. People in Ukraine will never see you and me, but they will give God praise, and they will thank him for that little church in Sandy, Utah. They will never see your face or my face, and it doesn't matter, because at the end of the day, our generosity is about us doing what we can do so that God gets the glory in a generation, because it's about his fame and his name at the end of the day. So he gets glorified. 
Generosity produces deep affection within the community of faith. 2 Corinthians 9, 14. Is it all right if we just walk through scripture today? And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. See, generosity is one of the greatest factors in producing affinity and depth of relationship and unity within a gospel community, both locally and globally. See, tomorrow, or not tomorrow, next weekend when we do our legacy offering, some of us are gonna walk down the aisle next to somebody else who's engaging and putting it in the dirt. And automatically there's gonna be an affinity and a unity that's created in that place. Oh, I'm walking next to Dee and Tabitha. We're in this together. I've never, I've never even shook their hands. I've never had dinner with them, but we're, we're in this together, right? My, mom, my mom's in the room and somebody's gonna walk next to my mom and be like, hey, we're doing this together. And Cynthia's gonna walk down and we're doing this. Y'all see what I'm talking about? People you've never seen or even talked to. And guess what? You're probably not gonna talk to them because there's a lot of people around here. And people come and people go. But next weekend, there's a depth of affinity and unity that takes place as we put it in the dirt together. Because how many of you know, playing in the dirt in a garden, if you have somebody with you, there's intimacy there, right? Like one of the things I'm looking forward to this summer, whether I'll actually do it or not, but I'm looking forward to it, is trying to work on our yard a little bit more. I told Justice yesterday, he's like, Dad, are you really gonna do it? I'm like, I don't know, but. It involves, it involves dirt and construction. And, but this, this is all I said to him. He goes, Dad, Dad, Dad are you going to do it? And I actually got him hyped about it. And I was like, well, here's the thing. If I'm going to do it, you're going to do it with me. He's like, really? I was like, yeah, you're going to be out there. And then you're going to do it, and I'm going to watch. <laughs> so this, I was trying to convince him because I was like, because we were talking about like vacation and and uh, spring break that's coming up. And I'm like, hey, what if we don't go on spring vacation? And what if we just like take that money and we just use it to make the backyard? And I was showing him pictures on Pinterest and everything like that. And so yeah, I got him yesterday to be like, we're not going on spring vacation. And I was like, all right, remember this. <laughs> Why? Because he was actually, what was he engaging with? Not, he doesn't want to do anything in the backyard. He's wanting to do wheelbarrows of rocks and stuff like that. What, 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 was, he act, what was I grabbing a hold of? He wants to be with me. And I want to be with him. And he wants to play in the dirt with me. So it, it, generosity, action, like actually deep. This is scripture. Trust the scripture. This is what scripture is saying to us, that it actually adds unity. It's a part of the journey that we're on together. So generosity produces deep affection within the community of faith. And number seven, every shot number seven. Generosity flows first from a generous savior. Guys, we got through all of those points. Let's go. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. Generosity flows first from a generous savior. Second Corinthians 9.15, listen to this, I love this. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So the truth is, it is God who first gave. Come on, I said it was God who first gave. We have to realize that. Now, I want to do just a couple pastoral things, and then I'm going to touch on that point a little bit more. As your pastor, my hope next weekend, here's my hope, the greatest thing that we can see, 
is that everybody participates. You're like, everybody? Everybody. Even if it's a dollar, because you believe in what God is doing here in your house. I would much rather see that everybody participated on some level than to know that we hit this big goal because two people gave radically. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Because that actually speaks more about us than anything. Now, some of us have the ability to give gigantic. That's why I'm saying, pray about it. You gotta go before God on that. We've wrestled out our stuff. And some of, us, some of us don't have that ability right now. You can give something because you believe in what's happening. Y'all see what I'm talking about? That would be the greatest thing is that every single one of us in all three of our services next weekend are able to put it in the dirt. It's gonna be a beautiful service next weekend. It's gonna be a meaningful service next weekend. We're gonna get to participate in changing the lives of people globally and participate in building the house that's reaching people locally. So let's not get it twisted, it's both and. Because how many of you know, this is our mission field. Come on, I said this is our mission field. Come on, I said this is our mission field. I don't say this that often because I don't like to, to shed highlight on this, but I, I had a really cool story after the first service, a gentleman walks up to me and he goes, I've never, I've never been to anything like this. I was like, really? Tell me your story. And he's like, well, me and my wife, we just left the predominant faith of this valley and we've been searching, we've been trying to figure it out. He goes, we walked into this place. I think it was like a couple months ago. They've been doing their journey here. We haven't even been able to like connect. And he goes, never knew that this was God. Listen, every single one of you could hate this message today. And that's totally great because I'm hanging on to his story. That's all I care about. I care about that story. I care about story after story after story of people who are finding the goodness of God. Why? Because he was generous first. Let's shift out of legacy for a second. God was generous first. You know that sign that you see at monster truck rallies and country music festivals, John 3, 16? See, it's lost its power and its weight because it's gotten put on poster boards. But can I tell you, for God, so loved that he gave his one and only son so that you and I might have life and life to the fullest. Oh, come on, somebody. God is a generous God. He's so generous that he said that he would give so that you and I would find life and life to the fullest. Oh, is anybody thankful for Jesus? Thank you for the sacrifice. Is anybody thankful that we have eternity because of his goodness? Stay standing, and I hope and pray our kids that are sitting in this room. 
hope and pray that 50 years from now, they're telling stories of that gray and cloudy march in Sandy, Utah, where some people put it in the dirt. put it in the dirt and it took 50 years for that seed to grow oh but it was growing all along and it was blossoming and the birds of the air found shade and rest because it was growing all along and the beautiful thing is we stand here today let's remove remove the legacy of we stand here today because over 2,000 years ago, a different seed was put in the dirt. And the beautiful thing was, the dirt could only hold him down for so long. Come on, and three days later, that seed blossomed and he got up out of the grave. I don't know if anybody loves Jesus like I love Jesus, but that, that seed came forth and a kingdom was advancing and lives were changing. Why? Because a seed was put in the dirt. If anybody is thankful for Jesus, come on, can we give him and every eye closed. I wonder who, who in here today needs to say yes to King Jesus. We're gonna pray a prayer all together today. I'm not gonna leave anybody out, so we're all gonna do it together. But maybe you're in this room today and you're like, man, that's me. I wanna accept the gift that was given for me, the gift of salvation, the gift of grace, the gift of forgiveness. You're gonna cross that line of faith today and say, I'm going all in to this Jesus thing. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, if that's you today, would you pray this with all of us in the room? Everybody repeat this after me, everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me change me, make me new. Today, I declare that I'm turning from my ways and I'm following your ways. 
thank you for salvation that I might spend this life living for you and eternity being with you. In Jesus' mighty name.